0: you guys can have a seat. Hey, while you're heading to your seat, go ahead and find your dum-dum. Did everybody get a dum-dum? While you're heading to your seat, find your dum-dum. If you've got the dum-dum, I want you to go ahead and unwrap it, and I want you to enjoy your dum-dum. Go ahead and grab it. Hey, just humor me this morning. Grab it. Does everybody got it? I got mine. Tastes good. Seriously, grab it. You guys got You got them? You going to taste them? This gonna, it's going to make sense. You need to have your dum-dum this morning. All right, so hey, you're enjoying it, but uh, somebody shout out, what's some of the flavors you guys got? Root beer. Who went root beer? I went root beer because it's the only way to go. All right, what else has everybody got? Okay, pineapple. All right, all right, all right. So hey, this morning, we're continuing through this series where we're looking at spiritual patterns for renewal. Okay, not just disciplines or spiritual disciplines. We're looking at patterns for renewal. And we, last week, we talked about Bible intake, and it was really great. Uh, Jim did such a great job of talking to us about the importance of God's Word and reading through it, which is why I said it was so great to have the Gideons last, it would have been great to have them last week. Um, and today, we're talking about meditation. And meditation is a lot like enjoying a dum-dum, right? It's this little thing that you should take your time with. If you're like Natalie Grinnells, you don't take your time with it. You literally just bite into it and sh- chomp right through it, okay? But she's, she's screaming as she's leaving, but nobody cares, all right? Meditation is a lot like a dum-dum, okay? It's not a meal. It's something that's simple, all right, that we're going to enjoy, we're going to take our time with, we're going to think about, we know the flavors. Maybe it's one thing, all right, one flavor, small thing, and it's good, And uh, I gave you a dum-dum so you can kind of get the sense of what it's like. You're meditating on the flavor of that dum-dum, all right? Some of you have pineapple, some of you have root beer, but it's simple. It's not a full meal. And so last week, Jim talked to us a lot about reading God's Word and the importance of reading God's Word, capturing the big story, the small stories, in the midst of it all. Today, we're going to talk about meditation. And I know for a lot of you guys, you're like, meditation, all right, here we go. Sit, crisscross, applesauce on the floor, fingers out, we're going to start humming. And that's usually what we think of about meditation. But we're going to talk about today, meditation is something that you are doing all the time. You are meditating all the time. You're dwelling on things, you're thinking through things, you're contemplating things, reflecting on things all the time. But what we're going to look at is not just meditation. We're going to look at meditation when it looks like, what it looks like as a Christian to meditate, as Jesus would have us meditate. What do we see biblically as Meditation. And we're doing that because we're talking about patterns for renewal. You have a pattern of meditating. Some of you just didn't even know it. You have a pattern of meditating and we're looking at these for renewal. And what we mean by renewal is deep heart life transformation at the core of who you are that you would be transformed. A lot of us we've ch- attended church services. We've done the the church thing. We've gone to Bible studies, we've read our Bible. We maybe memorize scripture. We want a mission trip, all these things. And you know what? After all of it, we go, man, my life's not any different. My life's not any different. So Why have I been doing all this stuff? It would have been a lot more fun to just go duck hunting. It would have been a lot more fun to, you know, go shopping. It would have been a lot more fun to just sleep in. Amen to that. And uh, why would I do all this? Why am I diving into these? And we're going to take a look at why that happens. Why is it there's no transformation? And we're looking at these patterns to show us not that it's about the patterns, but it's what the patterns lead us to, and they lead to deep transformation in us. Far too often in the church, we talk about the ways that we can be loving, very outside surface issues, ways that we can be loving, but f- far too often, we don't really talk about how we can be loving, the core of who we are. We talk about, man, I want to have peace or the ways that we can have peace, but we never talk about just being at peace peace how do we get there being joyful anybody want those everybody in the room I don't care what you're doing I don't care whether you live for Jesus or not you're looking for hope joy and peace and every decision you're making morally every decision you're making with your family everything you're looking for joy hope and peace and when we get little tastes of it we go I want more of that now the world's got an idea of how to get there Christianity's got an idea of how to get there Buddhism's got an idea of how to get there And we're looking at patterns of renewal as Jesus shows us to get into the deep parts of our heart to transform us to where we're not just people who are nice, good-looking, buttoned-up, Sunday-morning Christians. Disgusting. But that we're people, whether it's Monday or Sunday or Saturday or Friday, go, man, there's something different about those people. And they go, I'll tell you what it is. And what is it? It's Jesus. And so we're looking at Patterns Renewal, so we're going to dive right in, talking about meditation. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 2, okay, starting at verse 16. I'm really excited when we're done with the pattern series. We're going to probably dive into Colossians as a church, so we're going to do a deep plumb dive on Colossians as, when we get there. Today we're going to be looking at this, and you're going to find in this passage, it doesn't really say a lot about meditation, but it has a, a lot to say about putting off the old life and putting on the new life, and we're going to look at it with meditation in mind dwelling and contemplating, okay? And it's going to be really good. I'm really excited because God's word never turns void. Some of you are going to be changed in the way you think about this this morning. It's going to be awesome. Not because I'm awesome, because God's word is awesome. Okay, you ready to do this? The first point, because I know points help you type A people out there, is this, meditating is holding fast to. So before I read this, I want you to understand, meditation is holding fast to that's what meditation is. Anybody in this room ever seen the movie The Proposal? Who wants to live authentically in here? Okay, I have. I'm just gonna be honest. My wife's like, I don't know if you should say that. I'm gonna go beyond that and say, I like the movie. Okay, rom-coms are my jam, bro. I don't know what your deal is, but I like that. And you can say I'm not a man. That's okay. Uh, So in the movie The Proposal, Sandra Bullock's one of the main characters, her and the other guy, Ryan Reynolds, Ryan Reynolds, uh, they're in a boat, right, and they're, they're, they're having a fight, they're having an argument, they're cruising across this Alaskan lake, and they're, and they're screaming at each other, going super fast in the boat, and before, as they're arguing, he's not looking at her, and he just turns the boat, and boom, Sandra Bullock's gone, just out the boat, and he just keeps screaming at her and just driving away, right? Um, men, isn't that how it is, right? It's just yelling, women are like, yes, just leaving us behind. And so, but here's the thing, Sandra Bullock can't, uh, can't swim, and so she's scared out of her mind. She's just like, you know, drowning in the water. Well, there happens to be a buoy right, right near her, and so in this scene, you see her, she gets, barely gets over to this buoy, and she's clung onto the thing like a cat, and she's scared out of her mind. She is holding fast to that buoy, okay? And uh, for any of you guys who've ever been scared, there are things in our lives that we're holding fast to. Whether you're scared of swimming and it's that kind of situation or uh, whatever in your life, there are things that you are doing and when you're that you're clinging to because you're looking for hope, you're looking for freedom, right? You're looking for safety. All of you are trying to do this. There are things in your life you're holding fast to because you're looking for freedom, you're looking for hope, you're looking for safety. And what I found through just limited years of being on this earth with human beings is What we try to cling to are things like this. We try to cling to people's opinions of us, what they think about us, and we will desperately hold fast to those. We will cling to our work and what our work says about us or how hard we work and what that says about us. We'll hold fast to our abilities, what we're able to do. I could throw the football farther than you. We hold fast to our money and how that money could be the safety net, the security for us. We hold fast to our kids' abilities. All these things, you fill it in, you name it, whatever it is, all of our actions. We put our hope in those things that we're doing and what people think about us because of what we're doing, and we cling to them. Meditate on that for a second. What are the things in your life that you have a tendency to run to, to find your identity, to find hope and freedom and safety. Paul's going to talk to the people in in Colossae, uh, in this book of Colossians, in this letter, and they're trying to hold fast to something, and we're going to find that it's something that's really dangerous for Christians. It's dangerous for everybody, but Christians, you fall into this trap all the time, and it's that you hold on to your good deeds. I go to church, and I read my Bible, and I memorize Scripture, all right? I don't know. Again, I'm sorry I keep going to that voice. It's just the best way I know how. Let's go to verse 16. Look what he says. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you. Okay? Let no one judge you. Don't worry about their judgments of you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a sabbath these are a shadow of the things to come but the substance belongs to jesus now what does that mean basically it says hey those things are a shadow but what is real what actually does something is jesus now listen let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in details, detail about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind. Now, we're going to stay at a 15,000-foot level, but one of the things I want you to see is asceticism. It, it, asceticism is like this, this severe devotion to something, all right? This, this, this uh, sacrificial, disciplined pursuit of something, okay? Think Olympics. Anybody been watching the Olympics? This is Cody. Everyone's rebelling against China, so they didn't watch it, all right? We watched it, all right? And, uh, and so we watched the Olympics. And the Olympics, I mean, every Olympic athlete, they gave up a lot to be there, didn't they? You bet. These guys sacrificed so much in their life and devoted themselves severely and strictly to this pathway of life so they could get this chance to stand on a podium and miss it by three hundredths of a second. That's awful. And so I'm not dogging asceticism. I'm not dogging devotion, and neither is Paul. Paul's not dogging this kind of devotion and this kind of just commitment to it. In fact, Paul even says uh, in some of his letters, he says that he beats his own body to put it into submission so that he could live for Jesus and, and give himself over to the upward call of Christ. He gives himself to it. But Paul is dogging asceticism, all right, when it's all about discipline. When it's discipline for discipline's sake or discipline so that people might think that you are disciplined. So when you're going, well, I go to church and I read my Bible, I do these things, and you put your hope in those things. Those are, you're putting your hopes in shadows is what he's saying. You're not putting your hope in the real thing. You hear what I'm saying? Okay, stick with me here. So what Paul is doing is he's trying to help them understand that the Christian way is not the, not the way of being a moral good guy. Now, should it result in that? For sure, absolutely. But that's not what it is about. And so he continues on in verse 20. Look at this. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Now, look what he says here, verse 21. Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. He's quoting them referring to the things that all perish as they are used. According to human precepts and teaching, verse 23, these have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. What is Paul basically saying? Is they don't, they're not doing anything. He's saying what I said in the introduction. A lot of us have experienced that we've, we've gone to the church services. We've done all these things. And we go, for some reason, we're not changed. And so we, what do we want to do? We want to give up on the faith. We're like, this doesn't work. It doesn't work. And what Paul's trying to point out is it's not working because you're practicing these patterns not as a means to the end of getting closer to Jesus. You're practicing them as a means to getting more approval from others. I, I want to confess that's me. The more I've been meditating on this message about meditation, the more I'm realizing I do the same thing. I'm so focused on the outside. If you remember here, two weeks ago when we talked about this. I'm so focused on the outside things, the moral things, how I look on the outside, how I sound on the outside, that I completely miss what Jesus is trying to do the whole time. Completely miss it. And because I miss it for my own life, I end up putting that on you or putting that on others or putting that on my kids. We miss it, it has no value right, that has no value. These patterns of discipline have no value when you practice them for the wrong purpose, okay? And you need to meditate on that. Verse 20, he says, they have no, no value when you meditate for, the, or when you're doing these things for the purpose of living for the world according to the world. What's the world's way of living? You're in a, you live in an extremist society, an achievement culture. In an achievement culture, why are you valued in the American culture? Why? What you achieve, what you bring to the table, right? That's why we write these, we write up our resumes and we write all these things that we've done. And we know we're just trying to pad it and make ourselves look super great so we can say, hey, I'm somebody worth hiring, right? We go on these dates, right? It's the first time we brushed our hair in months, but we want her to know we take care of ourselves, So we're trying to pad our resume on that first date. Am I right? And you haven't brushed your teeth in weeks, bro, and you brushed your teeth that day. And so we want, it's all about achievement. What do you bring to the table? How do you look? What do you do, right? And sports, the same thing. And it's, I grew up playing sports and it destroyed me in one sense is that it became all about achievement. That's the world's way. What do you bring? If you do such and such, then we'll approve of you. But if you don't do it, then you're, we're done with you. And every one of you in the room, I don't care how old you are, every one of you have suffered under that, inside of who you are, am I enough? What do I bring to the table? What does my boss think about me? Does my wife love me? All these things, we felt them, I felt them. That's the living core of the world. The other thing is, verse 22, he talks about according to the, what people say or think about us. What does it say? He says, according to human precepts and teaching. Right? We've operated in our relationship with Jesus based on what pastors say, or what we've operated in our life based on what Joe Rogan says, or you know, what the internet says, or all these things, rather than going, hey, what does Jesus really have to say about this? What does Jesus really have to say about this? You know sometimes pastors say things that Jesus doesn't agree with? It happens. Verse 23, we do it all for the appearance of looking religious. An indictment on my life. Verse 23 says, hey, sure, these have an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion. How much of what we're doing this morning is just self-made religion? Is that it, it, It's just... We're trying to, for the, for the sake of other people's opinion or our own opinion of ourselves, we're doing this thing and we're showing up to the service we're, so that we could feel good like we, we did something okay and God's gonna be okay with us and we're all right. The, the, the cosmic scales of our morality are balanced out right now. I'm just telling you, that's, that's self made religion. That's not Jesus's religion. Jesus is not weighing what you bring to the table, Jesus knows you bring nothing to the table. That's what the gospel says. You're dead in your trespasses and sins, but the gospel then goes to tell us: but God, being rich in love because of the or rich in mercy because of the great love which He has for us, He made us alive through Jesus, who did everything for us. That's not self-made religion. That's Jesus Christ saving people. Is what that is. Okay. So basically, Paul is saying you're holding on to these spiritual practices, like they will somehow have the ability to save you. And indeed, they have appearance of wisdom, but they have no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. It's the reason why, guys, the more you you focus on your pornography addiction, it's not going to help you just stop it. But Jesus can. Some of us are like, man, I just can't stop drinking. No, you can't. But Jesus can help you. We've got these things that we're holding on to. And we keep trying to do these things for the hope of, maybe if I stop drinking, I'll get more approval. Maybe if I stop doing this, I'll get more approval. Maybe if I go to church, I'll get more approval. And where are we trying to get this approval from, guys? We're trying to get it from each other. When people think about us, but Proverbs 29, 25 says this, the fear of man, and that's all it is, is you're afraid of what people think about you, but the fear of man lays a snare. You guys see what a trap looks like? You trappers in the room, you know what that looks like, right? That's a snare. It lays a snare, but those who trust in the Lord are safe. They're safe. You see, guys, the medals, the promotions, the likes, the pounds lost, the church attendance, the Bible reading and meditation, all these things. They are just self-made religion that never arrives at what you're really looking for. Okay. Instead of clinging to a buoy, you're clinging to a bear trap, and it's going to pull you down, and just like people, it's going to snap on you sometimes. Am I right? Man, does it break our hearts that the people that we love and we're hoping they were going to approve of us, when they turn on us, crushes our hope. But it's also kind of like a Penrose staircase. Anybody ever seen the Penrose staircase? I'll show you a picture up here. Hopefully you'll be able to see what it looks like. Meditate on that with your eyeballs. You see what's going on? I want you to walk up the stairs with your eyes. What's happening? Every single time you go upstairs, you keep coming to the same place. I tell you what, that's what it's been like in my faith when I'm trying to follow Jesus and I'm doing just these moral things. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna get in the Bible, I'm gonna do these things, all right, and I'm gonna gonna, gonna make this happen, I'm gonna stop doing that, I'm gonna start doing this and all this stuff, right? And all I'm doing is what I'm doing, it's like a hamster wheel, man, it's a Penrose staircase. And it's exhausting. You're always climbing and always going to what the world says is up, and you're getting nowhere. Anybody felt that? Let's be real, guys. And you go, Christy, Christianity failed me. That's what it's like. I'm getting nowhere. And so, do we have that image of the concentric circles of the heart, mind, body, soul? Do we have that? Maybe we do, maybe we don't. If it pops up there, that's great, but if you were here a couple weeks ago, um, we, we showed you a picture of what the human, bo- human person is like, okay, what it makes up, and at the center of who you are is the heart or the, the spirit and will of you, who you are. It's, it's the thing that matters. It's who you are. It's where you make your choices. It's what makes you different than the rest of the world. You can make moral decisions out of that space, and God gave you that space. Outside of that is your mind and your feelings. Okay? It's, it's the knowledge and feelings, and those are deeply connected. We talked about that outside of that is your body, and your body's connected to those. I told you that, right? Like your, your body and your mind and your feelings and your will are connected. If I came and slapped you in the face, all right? Your heart would probably follow, right? Would it have something to say about it? Totally would. Your body is deeply connected to who you are spiritually. They're meant to be together. All right? But if you want to change, if you want to see life transformation, You've got to get to the heart of the issue, but the way we get to the heart of the issue is we have to go through the mind, and we have to meditate. Psalm 119.11 says this, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Well, he's saying he stored it in his heart, but how did he store it in his heart? He had to get it in his mind. He had to focus on it. So think about it like this. It's like scripture memory with my mind, Okay? But, but, going, but going beyond the ability just to recite it down to where it's becoming a part of who I am. I'm going, I'm, we're starting the book of Second Timothy with a group of guys, and one of the guys said it really well. You know, it, it's, it, it, when we feel anxious, a lot of us, right, uh, we've memorized, some of us have memorized Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus great verse but it's going beyond just oh I memorized that and look how cool I am you guys think I'm great going down to every single time that I feel anxious I go to that verse that's what it looks like to take it and meditate on it like a little dum-dum and just enjoy it and in that anxiety you let scripture just continue to inform you of who God is and what he wants to do and that's taking from the mind down to the heart in the midst of that Whether it's anxiety, whether it's fear, whether it's God's word. And and when we memorize these scriptures, and we take them down into who we are. Now, earlier, you guys remember, I talked about, you know, meditation is like a sucker. Some of you still got them, man. You're enjoying them right now. Apparently, meditating takes a while. And you're enjoying that. And it's great. But the reality is, all of us are meditating at all times. And I think anxiety is a great example. You know what anxiety is? Anxiety is misplaced meditation. Instead of enjoying a sweet sucker of God's truth, you're sucking on a dog turd of Satan's lies. Now, my wife said not to say that, but I'm 31 years old, and I haven't been sanctified. So, but I really, here's here's what I want to do. Here's what I want you I want you to, I just pause right now. I want you to think about sucking on a dog turd. I know you're laughing. Think about it. I've thought about it multiple times over this past week. And every single time, it makes my stomach feel sick. Guys, that's what anxiety is, because you've been meditating on something, and that's the reason why everything coming out of your heart and through your mouth stinks. And it's not what Christ has called you to. You're focused on your shame. You're focused on you didn't get, you didn't get what you felt like you deserved. You don't have what you think you should have. You're focused on the way that they treated you and what they said to you, and you get so laser-focused on it. Instead of saying focused on Jesus, you're holding fast to a lie. And it's disgusting. You're meditating at all times, guys. What we need to do is we need to redeem our meditation time and take it from the lie back to the truth of God's word. It's a lot harder to do. It's so much easier, as Chip Gaines says, to just fall into being a negative Nelly. It takes a lot of work to focus on the truth. But it's the only pathway that takes us to life. Now this can look like, guys, let me talk you about a few practical ways. gonna look like scripture memory. And now, I know some of you go, I can't memorize scripture. I said that 15 years I couldn't memorize scripture and then now i memorize hundreds of verses of scripture because people just show me how. And we have a website on our website now. If you go to outpostcommunity.org slash memorize, we've got resources on there. All right. One of my favorite resources on there, and I, I encourage every one of you to download it and start using it, uh, is a, it's a, a scripture memory retention Uh, tool. Because memorizing scripture is really not that hard. It's not that hard. It's holding on to it. It's the hard part. Am I right? And so we've got got that for you. You can go on our website. Okay, but it can also look like this. Uh, Meditation is not just scripture and it's really centered around God's word more than anything. But it's also remembering what God has done. Okay, I forgot to mention this, but we have these outpost stories that we've been sharing, and Ashley Lundvall's story we've been sharing, and it's been wonderful this week to remind ourselves of what God has done in Ashley's life. When we meditate on what God has done in her life, it just encourages me and encourages all of us in our faith. God has done things in your life, and you've got to go back to remember, what has God done? Over and over through the Old Testament, God constantly calls his people to remember what he's done back in Egypt. Remember, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph. He's like, he wants us to remember his deeds. The other way we could do this is kind of like what David did, all right, is to look out at God's creation, which is God's people, and this land that we're in, we've got, we've got a greater opportunity than pretty much anywhere I've ever lived to look out and go, man, behold the wonder of God. You know, David, who was more of a manly man than any of us in this room, he did this. And in Psalm 8, verse 3, he says this. This is him meditating, looking out, at the skies that we get to see in Wyoming. He says, When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? Some point thousands of years ago, this man, David, sat and just saw and was like, man, God, you care about me? What do you think that did for his faith? Transforming. So first point is this, that meditation is a holding fast to Jesus through these means of scripture memory and remembering his deeds and, and, uh, and looking at it creation, beholding God's wonder and glory. Okay, you got that? The second thing that we're going to see is meditation is also entering into. Meditation is entering into. It's not just a holding fast to, it's an entering into. Okay, so it's kind of like this. It's going to take your mind, it's going to take imagination. But when you're reading God's word, uh, you're going to find that a lot of medita- meditation is about God's word. It's, it's jumping into the story with your mind and not just reading about what's happening, but getting into it, right? Jumping in and like, like what was it like to walk next to a lake with Jesus? To walk and talk with him. See, this is what I've loved about the series, The Chosen. God, I love it because it's just, it's just, I can imagine myself walking with him. I can imagine myself being the woman by the well. I can imagine myself being the disciples who are just wacky and confused and totally distracted. I'm like, oh, that's, that's me. It's diving into these stories and seeing yourself in the characters and going, oh, man, I am that. All right? It's getting into it. But it's also, it's not just that. Go to Colossians 3, verse 1. We're going to take a moment to meditate because we can dive into stories, but there's also things that you need to do and enter into, and it's just entering into your relationship with Jesus as he sees it. Look at verse 1. We're going to read 1 through 3. Now, we're going to take some legit time right now to meditate on We're going to practice this. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not things that are on earth. For if you have died, your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Do we have this up here? I want you to go back to verse one. Okay, one and two. I want you to right now, if you could see that on the screen or if you have it in your Bible, I want you just to look at that, and I want you to ask it questions, I want you to think about it, look at words, whatever. I want you to meditate on it. OK? Hold fast to Jesus as you look at this and think about what is it saying about you. And I want you to enter into these verses and enter into what Jesus is offering. Okay, look at it and think about it. These are great verses to meditate on, to spend time in, okay? To rest in and think about, ask questions. We look at it and we say, it says, if you, you being who? Talking about Christians. If you, if you're a Christian, if you have been raised with Christ, what do you mean by raised? It means that what happened to Jesus? He died, right? And so here's some of the things that when I was just looking at and meditating, thinking about it. Is when he died to sin, we died to sin. Have you thought about that? You died to it. What does that even mean? Think about it. When he was buried, we were buried with him. Our whole life was tied up with Jesus. He was buried and we were buried with him. Think about that. What does that mean? Well, the next thing it helps us understand. When he rose to new life, it says that we rose with Jesus to new life. And which I go, amen. It makes me want to sing songs. Because the dead man has gone and I've been raised to new life with Jesus, I mean, if you meditate and think about that, you're going to find that your life is hidden with Jesus. It's not hidden in the approval of others. Some of us, were so focused on our sin and we're thinking about our sin, when Jesus is going, hey, hold on a second, I buried it in the grave. It's gone. Stop stop meditating and sucking on that dog turd. It's gone. I've forgiven you. And if you sit there and dwell on that, what does that do to you when you put yourself into Jesus and you're in him? And what he did is now yours. And it says he's, he's sitting at the right hand of God, sitting meaning it's done, at the right hand of God, meaning he's got the authority of God, and you're with him. He says, man, set your minds on that. And when you do that, you begin to see the spiritual world and all the world around you, the way that God sees it. You start to see the relationship you have with Jesus, the way that God sees it. And you're entering into your relationship with Jesus as it really is. And it, you know what it really isn't? It's not your morality. It's not your morality, guys. And you, are, you guys are default legalists. You wake up every morning thinking about what you're not doing and what you are doing and all that stuff. But if we sit in this, we go, man, it's not about what I'm doing or not doing. It's about what Jesus has done. And I want to enter into that relationship. So we enter into the stories and we meditate on them. And it has so much power to transform us. And then we enter into this relationship with Jesus. We understand this theology. We don't get scared by that word. And we we put it on and go, what does that say about me and where I'm at and how I'm tied to Jesus? And when you're in it, then you leave in Jesus and you go to interact with people from this place of what God has called you to. And you begin to look different. All right? Which leads us to our last point and maybe practically is the most important thing you need to understand about meditation. All right? Meditation is a holding fast to Jesus by these means of the things we've talked about, uh, meditation is also entering into, taking your mind's eye into these stories, into your relationship with Jesus, and putting these things on. But meditation is also a driving out by filling in. Okay, meditation is a driving out by filling in. All right, I want to show you. So, uh, Jim last week uh, shared about Carlsbad Caverns. Okay, I've been to the Carlsbad Caverns. Anybody ever been there? It's pretty amazing. It's an amazing place. I want to show you a few pictures. We're going to turn the lights off so you can see this. Okay? So you can shut that off. So we'll show you the first one. This is the entrance to get into uh, the Carlsbad Cavern. All right? And this is just like, this is not even like, not even a quarter of these like, little, little staircases going, just winding down. Okay, And so many of you guys, you think that in Christian faith, it's all about this upward and to the right, uh, like up into the clouds of achievement in your faith. Well, I've learned this, and my soteriology is just perfect. you know, And it's all that stuff. But really what Jesus wants to do is he actually kind of want to wind you down to the heart. He's less about your moral actions. He'll get those fixed, but where he really wants to go is deep down into the heart of, your, of, your, of who you are. Some of you think you're going deep because you... Learn something new about Scripture. But death is not about what you learn. It's about taking what you learn down to the depths of who you are. And Jesus wants to go down to the depths. I want to show you the next picture. 700 feet down is this cafe. And I know that's like a 1970s picture, but it's still there, okay? This is a great picture. I love this. Down at the very bottom, all right, there's this cafe. And I love this. Because down at the bottom of your heart, that's where Jesus wants to meet with you. That's where he wants to interact with you in scripture. Tell you about his goodness. Show you his kindness. And he wants to sit at that picnic table with you and just have a meal. There's a lot of things in your life that aren't right. Aren't good and where they're not supposed to be. But he's not going there yet. He just wants to get down to the bottom of who you are and say, let's just eat together. And I want to show you my goodness and kindness. Let me fill you up with this. That's what Jesus wants to do. That's what meditation and what these patterns are about. It's about drilling all the way down to the core of who you are. But then... And we're going to see this in Colossians as well. Uh, there are things that do need to be addressed. And uh, this isn't the entire cavern, believe it or not. So if you decide to go with your family, it's a lot more than this. He wants to go beyond these places. Don't show the next image yet. He wants to go beyond these places to go and let's, like, let's go check out the caverns of your heart. Let's go see what's out there. Now, if any of you have ever been in a cavern when the lights are off, it's not good to walk around. Because it's Darkness. And Romans, Paul says, Romans seven eighteen, nothing good dwells within me. That is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. I was reading this morning in Proverbs 20. I read a proverb a day every day. Today's the 20th. I was reading the 20th. And uh, God brought me to this verse, and I think it's just so perfect. I can't even believe I feel like I've never even read it, and it's just for today. It's so great. It says, the spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all of his innermost parts. Let me read this again. The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord searching all the innermost parts. You know what Jesus wants to do next in your life? He wants to get down to the core of who you are. He's not worried about, you know, how the, what they're doing in your life and all these outside circumstances. He's like, let's get to the center. And the next thing he wants to do is this. He says, hey, let's go spelunking. Let's go down. Some of you look at that. How many of you right now are going, I would never do that? Okay, Celeste, okay. Because a lot of, it's, I think it's mostly the women who are like, I'm not doing that. okay. But this is what Jesus wants to do. He wants to go through our heart and he wants to turn some lights on and he wants to take us to places that we've never wanted to go. You see this? Hey, let's go down to this pit. You wanna go down there? Nuh-uh. How old is that rope? I don't wanna go do that. I don't know if I trust you, Jesus. He goes, remember the meal we had and we talked about. Remember, you can trust me. And he wants to go to these places. Guys, that's what he wants to do. But here's what happens. When we go into those places and the lights get turned on, what is he going to find in our hearts, guys? Well, Paul tells us there's a lot of things. Go to verse 5, chapter 3 of Colossians. It says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire and covetousness, which is idolatry. These are some of the things that he's going to find. He's going to go down there and he's going to find these things. That's the reason why you don't want to go down there. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. And these you two once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. This is, this is not Jesus screaming at you. This is Jesus pleading with you. He says, hey, anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, insisting that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of of its creator. Here there is no Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is in all. Uh, but Christ is all and in all. What he's basically saying is: hey, everybody's got this cave. Every heart's cavernous in darkness and sin. Everyone. I don't care if you grew up in the church or if you grew up like me, right, in and out of biker gangs with family and all kinds of craziness and uh, parents in prison and just wild nasty things doesn't matter every one of our hearts is so full of this darkness and sin and Jesus wants to go down there with you and out of the trust you he's he's built with you about his kindness and goodness he wants to go there when he turns the light on guys he's gonna find stuff he's gonna see things one of the first things when I became a Christian man I cuss so hard okay like hard hard you ever been somewhere around somebody who cusses so hard it makes you feel sick? That guy. I got kicked off a rec basketball team. Like, how do you do that? You're horrible, right? And so uh, one of the first things that was revealed to me is I got a cussing problem. I had a mouth issue. And some of you are going, you still have a mouth issue. And uh, I just, man, I just talked and a lot of evil things came out of me, man. But over time, God, and my walking with Jesus through these caverns of my heart, it wasn't about the cussing. He began to show me that I'm right now. I'm still. I'm scared to talk about the gospel with people. He's also showed me that I could be really harsh to my daughter with my words. Right. He he's shown me that I could, um, man. I could cut people down. He's also shown me that when I get nervous, guys, I talk a lot. I just like Ugh, yeah. Yeah. Calm that down. All right. Hold your mouth. I'm <laughs> just kidding. But at, he's also shown me the reasons behind those. And that's what he wants to do. He wants to go and say, hey, let's, let's look at this. And, you know, let's address this issue. And I, I don't know if I want to go near it, but more he's built trust with me. He's taken me. The reason why I, I'm sharing the share of the gospel is I'm afraid of people and what they think about me. Anybody? And he said, let's talk about that. Don't worry about the surface. We'll fix that. But let's talk about why are you afraid of people? When, I, when I'm harsh with my daughter, he showed me it's because I've got control issues. Parents, anybody? I've got control issues. I want my daughter to do certain things and I don't understand why she's doing it the way she's doing it. How does she not understand? I've got control issues. Jesus says, hey, let's talk about the control issues. Why do you want to control? Why don't you trust me to control it? Right? Why do you feel so anxious about what people think about you? Why do you talk so much? Why don't you just calm down and pause and just rely on me? That's where God has been working. And so it's been amazing how God has began to work this, these things in my heart and show me this. And he wants to work these things in your heart. He's not looking to beat you and scold you. He's meeting with you one-on-one at the depths of who you are to dress these things. And when we meditate in God's word, it's going to reveal some things in us that are just kind of ugly and nasty. All right? And the church can mess that up because we can come and beat you with those things. But really, Jesus is not want to beat you. What he's wanting to do next is he wants to help you drive these things out. But driving them out is not enough. He's not wanting to make you just a moral person and get you to stop doing these things. It's not enough. Actually, he warns us that it could be far more dangerous to get people to be moral, to just stop doing this and be moral people. Actually, in Luke chapter 11, he says this. Maybe you've heard it. He says, when the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest and finding none, it says, I will return to my house from which I came, the house being you, and when it comes and it finds the house swept and put in order, look how neat that Christian is. He doesn't cuss anymore, he doesn't drink anymore, he parts his hair now, like look how cleaned up he is. And when he finds his house swept and put in order, then he goes and he brings seven other spirits more evil than itself and they enter and dwell there and the last state of that person is worse than the first. God is not just trying to make you a moral cleaned up person. He wants to transform you and to transform you. He doesn't just drive out. He fills in to drive out. He puts things in there where there's no space for that spirit to come back. You hear what I'm saying? And that's what meditation is about. Eastern meditation, the hum, drive everything out, humming, that's all about driving out. All of meditation has been about driving things out. Okay, sitting and just in your mind, if something comes in, send it away. Send it away and get rid of personality and presence until you can be absorbed up into the nirvana. Well, all that does is just completely negate and erase the gift of the spirit within you. Okay, because your identity matters and who you are matters and you have a name. It's not just erasing who you are and pushing everything out. Christian meditation is about focusing our minds on Christ and filling our hearts so much that when it begins to happen, he says this. He says, put on. Don't just put off, but put on. Go to verse 12, chapter 3. He says this. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another in And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. This is what it's about, guys. That's a description of what Jesus is. This harmonious, loving, kind, compassionate, caring God of the cosmos. And he wants to meet with you. He says, look, I see these issues you got to let me now sit on, your th- on the throne of your heart. Can I have this part of your heart now? And I will begin. Let's write, these, write the word of God on the walls of your heart here. Let's put on what I've done. And w- let's transform this area and let's fill it up. Let's fill it up with me. That's what Jesus wants to do, guys. That's the Christian way of following Christ. In Philippians 4, Paul says it like this. He says, finally, brothers, sisters, He says, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Set your mind on these things. And guys, when you set your mind on these things, everything you've been hoping for, everything, all those buoys you've been holding on to you can get rid of, because what's going to happen is the peace of Christ will begin to rule in your hearts. Look at verse 15. The peace of Christ will begin to rule in your hearts because now he owns this cavern. He owns this cavern. He owns this big room. His his word is written on your heart over in this area. The lights are coming on and those things that used to be there are gone. And all they are is just a a memorial to the old life and a celebration of the new. Isn't that awesome? You have no idea. You have no idea because you've bitten down on the moral therapeutic deism of the West, that we're here to come to church just to become moral, to get some therapy, but God doesn't really exist. That's what deism is. I'm telling you right now, God exists and He wants to, man, He wants to transform you and He can. And as He does, what's gonna happen, guys? We're gonna be thankful. Verse 16, that's what's gonna happen when we let the Word of Christ dwell in us richly. And then what happens when you let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly? You're gonna start teaching others about it. Man, I gotta tell you about what God has done. Let me tell you about His Word. You're like, oh, you sound legalistic. No, 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 you don't have to do it, but I've done it and I'm finding it. It's changing me. It's changing me. And now I'm singing in the caverns of my heart, I'm singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs from my heart. It's echoing like this room here, echoing in my heart these songs of praise to God because he's changed me. And then he says this, on the surface, what's going to begin to happen? And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That's when you will begin to change on the outside. Guys, as a pastor, it's not my job to make you immoral people or change you. I can't do that. But I can point you to Jesus, and he's the one who changes you. That's what what regeneration ministry is all about. We call it a recovery ministry, and it's for sinners. I don't care who you are. That's for you. By the way, you're a sinner, and it's for you. And what we say is, we're not going to fix your problems. We can't fix your problems, but we will take you to the one who can, and that's Jesus. Now, I want to give you one final practical thing that I want all of you to do. I'm going to, you don't have to do it, okay? Maybe you don't like dum-dums and that's not your thing, okay? You can get some other kind of hard candy. It'll be fantastic. You've learned a lot. Meditation is a holding fast to, it's an entering into, and it's also a driving out by filling in. It's stop sucking on the dog turd. Let's start filling ourselves and focusing our minds on Jesus, okay? And this is what's going to happen. Some mom is going to be talking to their teenage girl this week and be, listen, sweetheart, you're sucking on a dog turd right now, and you need to stop it. So, it gave us an idea, okay? I know I'm not asking you to go get doctors. Here's what I'm gonna tell you. Here's what I want everyone to do, okay? I wanna challenge you to do this, all right? Moms, dads, leaders of your houses, wherever you are, if you live alone, it doesn't matter. Get a jar in your home and I want you to fill it with your favorite hard candy. Maybe that's a dum-dum, whatever. I want you to get some kind of hard candy. I wanna fill that thing up, all right? Dum-dums are so cheap, just go get them. It's not gonna ruin your diet, okay? You're gonna be fine. All right, fill that bad boy up with dum And then what I want you to do is I want you to get index cards. And I want you to write down some of your favorite scriptures that point your heart towards Jesus. I want you to write them down, okay? I want you to write down the verse and I want you to write down the reference. And I want you to set a stack of these things right next to that jar of your favorite hard candies. And when your heart starts to get out of sorts, right, you start sucking on that dog turd, you start going the wrong direction, you start feeling kind of sick and anxious and all these things, What I want you to do is I want you to go to that jar, I want you to grab one of those dum-dums, I want you to pull it out, I want you to grab one of those verses that applies to the situation, and I want you to enjoy that dum-dum, but I also want you to meditate on that verse until the dum-dum's gone. Do you hear what I'm saying? And you're not gonna put that verse down until the dum-dum's gone. If you're at work, have a jar on your desk, have those index cards. You're gonna grab it, you're gonna set it right there on the computer, you're gonna set it on your dash, you're gonna, your guys that you're working with are like, dude, why are you always eating dum-dums? And you're throwing that up on the dash. And you're going to sit there and enjoy it. You're going to do your work. Whatever you're doing, you're going to pull it back out. You're going to remind yourself again. Put it back. you can keep enjoying the dum-dum. Until the dum-dum's gone, you're not going to stop thinking about that verse. Do you hear what I'm saying? And it's going to be about 10 minutes of your life. It's going to be sweet. And it's going to be focused on Jesus. I'm going to challenge you to do that. I'm going to Walmart today to get a pile of dum-dums. And I can't wait to look at my daughter and say, like, Sweetheart, go get you a dum-dum. All right? And this verse And I can't wait for my daughter to go, Dad, you need to go get yourself a dum-dum. And you need to get that and get a verse. You hear what I'm saying? It's just a practical step. Guys, what what we're trying to do is we want this to be patterns in your life. The reality is you are meditating every day. And right now, you're meditating as you look at me. And some of you are meditating on when will he be done. And there's there's a time for everything, and it's time to be done. You guys ready to pray? Let's pray. God. I'm so incredibly thankful that you are a a funny, loving, compassionate, kind God who cares about us. Forgive us, God, that when we put our trust in things other than you and we meditate on things that are not bringing us life. And I pray that you would help us people not play games with their faith anymore, but really would just go to seek you, Jesus. Don't make it about service. They wouldn't make it about just Bible reading and disciplines, but they'd make it about pursuing you, Jesus. And if that means meditation, that they would do it. Taking time to reflect and think about your word, to memorize scripture, to hide it in their heart so they might not sin against you. And not sin against you so they could be moral, but they might not sin against you because they love you. And may you do the same for me. We love you, God. Thank you so much for this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.